Welcome to Friday's episode of Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And in today's episode, we're covering minute 69 of the movie, The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, Dana and Marty decide to go down in the elevator. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This reminds me of (laughs) of an episode of 30 Rock. Mm. And I can't remember. I just I can't remember the whole episode or anything, but I just remember that the two leads are talking about. I think he's uh, what's his name? The guy that Alec Baldwin's (laughs) Alec Baldwin is telling telling Tina Fey's character to Sometimes you just have to go down to make it through. And I know it has to, I know part of it is him telling a story of like mountain climbing of some ridiculous contrived story of like going mountain climbing. And I think it's based on those guys that, you know, one of them left the other behind. And it's not exactly that same story, but I think he, he has to like decide to go through this crevasse Mm -hmm. and so he's talking about like i had to go down to make it out basically like to survive i had to go against my instincts and i had to go down i can't remember i'm sure people Mm. are like heidi that's not really what it was at all but that's the gist of it Mm. and so she has to like go lower i think maybe that's the word they use is go lower so they that reminds me of this where they're just like going lower you know Every, mm. nothing else has worked so they're just doing what seems like the wrong thing to do but mm-hmm. seems also like maybe the only thing to do mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah Ugh. just on a side note i just I, I loved that relationship that they had on 30 rock i just <laughs> i really missed that show it was really good i but, do too yeah yeah Such a good show so uh when we start out this minute it transitions because we're we're kind of in the middle of a scene. So last minute, Dana was saying, you know, you figured everything, like you figured it all out. So that's kind of where we were at from from last minute. So it's transitioning into to this minute with Marty saying, no, 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 not at all. But I do know some stuff. And so this goes back to kind of what we were talking about last minute, where he's been spending his time trying to determine how this whole thing works and like why there's basically a big concrete room that's got some type of like, you know, control panel on the wall. So kind of speaking of control panel, I mean, he's saying that he, he, he finds this elevator. So he yanks all these cords again and a hatch opens up and there's all this Judah Buckner that falls through <laughs> into the, the floor, you know, them to the, to, for them, the floor, but for the the elevator, the ceiling below. Right. And so also, I think we, you know, we've kind of postulated back and forth whether him finding this control panel had a effect on the tunnel not blowing. And so that's been kind of the the theory that perhaps this is where uh, his power rerouting might have fucked it up for the demo people downstairs, too. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems pretty logical, though I like the ideas that you know, have been put forth about other possibilities too. But mm-hmm. it does seem like 
Yeah, because he's doing something that's not part of their plan, the facility's plan. Mm -hmm. And it is Mm -hmm. moving things about and he's making things happen. Mm -hmm. He is. Yeah. I I love that he was able to get into a control panel and there's just this, you know, ridiculous sparking that we're seeing here (laughs) with the with the electronics. Yeah. So he he thinks he can he can get it to move. And so this is another kind of a leap of faith, scary kind of thing of, you know, and and Dana has this really excellent question of like, do we want to go down? (laughs) Is that really what we want to be doing here? Right, because he's showing her what he's kind of figured out, and he's telling her somebody sent those dead fucks up here to get us. There's no control inside, but there's maintenance overrides. And when you're talking about the sparking, it kind of reminded me that 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 also sort of marries what it is that has to be done by Citizen to make things work up there. Remember, Mm, he sparks, sparks stuff up there, so just kind of like... There's that that happening on both sides. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then he's like saying, so, OK, somebody sent these dead, dead fucks up here. So he's figured out something. And yeah, Dana's like, do we want to go down? He says, where else are we going to go? Which is a good question. Mm-hmm. Definitely doesn't yeah. seem f- safe up there. No, no, it does not seem safe up there. Even with, I think, Marty's kind of limited understanding of what's kind of happened for Dana, because Dana actually made a, a co-venture attempt to get off the land, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so he he hasn't even seen that far, I think, because he's seen the mechanics and, and, and they've, I mean, they, you know, Dana's seen the mechanics too in, in a way, but I think he's not hopeful that these guys are going to let them off, you know, and I think he's had a little bit more of a, a an intimate knowledge of the workings here at least to get at them. So I think that's really his point of like, if we can't, you know, get off the land, then we're going to have to go through to the people who are, who obviously sent these guys upstairs to us and and see what's going on. Like, why is this happening? So it's kind of a crazy, brave move to hijack and get in. Yeah. And I think about like the the information he's gathered from back when he first found that camera and microphone, you know, she hasn't mm-hmm. found that, but she's still putting things together because of what she's seen when um, R.I.P. Kurt, <laughs> when Kurt lifted yeah. into the wall. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. something very contrived and not not of this world that that we understand. It wasn't of the natural world that they thought they were living in. So she's, you know, back then she was like, oh, Marty, Marty was right, you know. Right. So yeah, now it's kind of like, oh, the two people who got it are together now. And yeah, they've got it. They're making a, a brave, brave choice and also doing something that makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> they, they decide she's kind of reluctant. He gives her a nice reassuring kind of hand grip. And again, he's sort of mm-hmm. like inviting her down. He does what he needs to do with the electrical box and then jumps down and all a bunch more Judah stuff <laughs> flops down. <laughs> and the arm like falls on him and he's like, fucking zombie arm. You know, and it's just so, it's so like, he's like stepping on it and sliding around, you know, it's just a great <sighs> place for comic relief. I mean, he's really like, whoa, whoa, you know, for half a second, you know, but it's really, it's really 
funny and it really feels Joss Whedon-y, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. I, I just, again, totally just to have this comic relief because we've seen so much aggressive death. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so this is the first time that you you do actually have like real hope and real humor and and they're able to kind of be like oh my god we're we're in this situation like we're in it like this surreal insanity is like our life right now and there are parts that are actually falling on my head (laughs) and then going underfoot and i'm slipping and sliding around (laughs) on this stuff so oh yeah yeah so yeah then they're in a box and we don't quite it's an elevator i mean it's an elevator of some sort we don't quite know what you know he's he's figured out that much but it's we Mm -hmm. get a little glimpse because as soon as they hop in it starts to kind of come to life and shake a bit and there looks like there's a light Mm -hmm. around the edge of it we know what's coming but so far we just kind Mm -hmm. of get a glimpse behind them and it looks like perhaps there's something else of a similar shape and size just Mm -hmm. through a square of glass yeah it's such a sterile white blue light and i love it because it almost seems very science fiction to me that this elevator is so like hyper modern and like i mentioned watching altered carbon so there's a lot of this neon-y you know smooth edged chrome silver glass type what we normally associate with like futuristic technology so you go into you know tonally into this room that has a very old timey wooden door and it just shifts from dirt and wood to concrete to now hyper modern and so it's very fascinating that that the belly of the beast is a is a very highly technological one yeah i really like that you brought that up because contrast between something very organic you know two bodies that are bloody and hunched and uh, afraid and then they're Mm -hmm. even stepping on a disembodied very organic sort of even though it's got supernatural type of elements to it that seem to be keeping it alive it's still earthy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah really good point yeah Mm -hmm. thank you um is there anything else that you wanted to mention i mean basically they're you know kind of studying each other as this elevator ride is starting but that's pretty much where we wrap up with this minute no i think that's good cool did you want to chat a little bit about those shows you were talking about yeah yeah so you know i've mentioned dollhouse a couple of times so it was written by joss and developed by joss whedon it came out in 2009 so it premiered in 2009 and then officially canceled later in 2009 (laughs) like many joss joints uh it was on fox and so i i went into it and you know we've mentioned before that i i've you know just to remind people like i watched some buffy but i wasn't like a full-on buffy head i was all down for this i was intrigued by it i remember there's some interesting kind of provocative viral marketing for it and i i watched it actually when it was finally released on netflix so it wasn't like i jumped in right i think i watched the first episode when it released on fox and then thought ah oh, that was okay and then maybe watched the second episode i was like eh 
it was all right and then didn't really come back to it until it was on Netflix. So it wasn't like I was so patient, you know, I was kind of like, meh, but mm -hmm. I'm really glad I went back to it. So it's um, just to remind people, it's definitely sci-fi and it has, it says the show re revolves around a corporation running numerous underground establishments, sound familiar, mm. known as dollhouses mm. <laughs> around the globe, sounds familiar, <laughs> that program individuals mm. referred to as actives or dolls for temporary personalities and skills and then wealthy clients hire them. So they're basically turning human people, <laughs> humans, um, you know, almost into mm -hmm. reprogrammable robots. And they're crafting new mm -hmm. skills and personalities to fit whatever the person who hires them wants. And uh, Eliza Dushku is a producer and, and the, the lead and uh, and that was kind of I mean, I, I grew to appreciate her talents, but I also felt like there was mm -hmm. a lot of um, I would say gratuitous. But I mean, obviously, she was totally on board for it because she was starring it and, you know, a producer and, and she was all into it. But I felt there was a lot of stuff that was kind of turning me off in the beginning, which was a lot of body shots of her, you know, a lot of her zipping up a boot and pulling on a you know a dress and and I was just like she's an attractive woman but I don't I feel uncomfortable just looking at her this much and it was kind of like I mean and to me this is just me totally just making up my own scenario but it was kind of like I'm a hot looking lady and I you know I'm at my prime and so I want everybody to see it and I'm not saying that was her intention at all I'm just saying that was my that was at the time when mm -hmm. I was kind of getting out of it so it kind of turned me off a little bit but I persisted and found it to be very <laughs> interesting very uh compelling so it really goes in a lot of different directions. There's lots of twists and turns, people that you, I don't want to give anything away, but definitely there's people that you trust and then you realize, oh, maybe there you can't be trusted, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's got a really strong cast. It's got good old um, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember you said you had seen, but what, yeah, what's your relationship to this show mm -hmm. you know I had a hard time with it for me I didn't find it to be mm -hmm. as well written of a property uh, of, of what he came out and and I remember when it came out because I was really excited about it because obviously big Joss Whedon fan but what I was challenged by with it is that it took a really long time to mm -hmm. be what I found to be relevant you know, I just felt like I had to wade through so many episodes because it really was until they started getting into, I think, I want to say mm -hmm, the tail mm -hmm. end of, of season one, really, where they really started to start making some sense as to mm -hmm. why the dolls were relevant and why, you know, Echo, Eliza uh, Dushku's character was relevant and why the, the downloading of these different personalities was relevant you know, but I, I it felt it took too long to get there. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having said that, I think there were some from from a content perspective. And once you really got to the tail end, I think there were some really, 
really fucking fascinating ideas there. I think that Fran Kranz played a really great role and he was kind of a, you know, and, and you see his, his character do evolve, you know, over time. And I can't remember the, the woman who plays the director. She was also in Sixth Sense, played the wife, played Bruce Willis's wife, but I like her a hell of a lot. She's actually not, mm-hmm. not unlike Sigourney Weaver as a director here to a certain degree and that, you know, hard assed. I'm really going off on a tangent, um, but <laughs> I'll wrap this up now. But basically, yeah, I, I think that there were some very, very, very fascinating concepts and ideas there. And and I'm just a little disappointed they didn't make that intriguing enough soon enough, I guess. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. And so I, I would say, and just to kind of piggyback on talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I felt that whole first season was a snoresville. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was my husband liking it and being patient with it was the only reason I kept watching it. I was like, mm-hmm. it's okay. I like the people in this. I like the people behind this, you know, but this is just, I'm not connecting with any of these people. And it's so amazing to me that with giving it time, time that, um, which are for a lot of us in these days, we don't want to give anything that much fucking time, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. entertain me in the first five seconds or move on. There's so much out there to consume, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, so just, just to, yeah, talk about that, 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 that's something that now it's one of my favorite shows and and I absolutely Mm. love it. So if anybody's curious and willing, I do feel like it pays off eventually. But yeah, I I think Eliza does a fine job, but I think that the meat really starts to develop, you know, much later in season one. And then there's a little bit of a season two, there's a little epilogue in between and it's 27 episodes that I feel like only get better and better. And Amy Acker, Mm -hmm. yeah, she's, yeah, there's interesting and emotional ties that do develop, but it does take, it does take quite a bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some, and sometimes, you know, people are willing to, to, to hang in for it. And, and I think you're right. If there's so much, I mean, I had that way with, with Game of Thrones, like it took me several rounds of watching the first few episodes of season one of game of thrones because i'm like this is the worst written tv show fucking ever like i couldn't figure out like why people were were all about it because i'm like this is the most diffuse storytelling what are you doing you've got all these different people in different parts and i'm like what am i waiting through here for it's like this is just gratuitous tna and we when when are you going to knit this shit together exactly and and they and I just like I hung in there and I did it and then I was like oh my god it's just fucking amazing but man you really you gotta you gotta want it <laughs> for that because I think from you know from like a like a writing perspective I'm like Jesus Christ you know like I come from the school of like Sons of Anarchy where like the pilot is a beautiful work of fucking written art like it's incredible it just like grabs you from like get go and that's where i was like this is like this is the way it should be and you know maybe there's a case for saying the buffy the vampire slayer the first season is kind of shitty too you know before they really get their legs and they figure out what they're doing and and you know they just have that monster of the week until they really you know and i can see a case for you know even though i really really enjoyed i think persons of interest kind of Mm -hmm. from get go someone could make a case for the first season of persons of interest is really just the two guys running around and you know when he's like the man in the suit and reese is just the man right. in the suit and that evolves yeah. over time but Ag- agreed i also like i basically mm-hmm. and i think i mentioned this before but i 
wasn't really grabbed by the first episode or two. I was like, yeah, this is kind of cheesy, but one of those, like, I'm not feeling well, I'm just going to watch. And then the more I watched. (laughs) And it's interesting that you mentioned Game of Thrones because Jane Espenson, Espenson, who she was a consulting producer for Dollhouse and she wrote, Mm. she was a producer for Buffy and she was also a writer for Game of Thrones. She was a producer for Battlestar Galactica. So yeah, yeah. So funny. So yeah, and then the other thing I was gonna uh I won't spend quite as much time on, but I had mentioned a show called The Middleman. And I was talking about it because they there's like a, a covert operation that's done in like a kind of a you know, you walk through the front door of some business. I can't remember what it is, but it's like, you know, mm-hmm. then you go through a secret door or something and it's really this whole other business. So it's a TV series that came out and around the same, let's see, around, oh, two, 2008, so a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a comic uh, or graphic novel by a guy named Javier Grillo, Mar- let's see, M-A-R-X-U-A-C-H. And he also created the show. And this is totally a Brian thing. Like he was like, hey, have you ever seen this? I think you'll like it. So it's got kind of campy. It's definitely sci-fi. It's kind of like, it's got a little bit of, I'd say like a men in black element and that there's people that are part of this underground or, you know, behind behind closed doors place that uh, it's a secret agency, but it's run by a guy who is, I don't know why they call him the middleman, but his name is Matt Kiesler. And he's actually in, uh, he's in one, ep- I think just one episode of Dollhouse. So that was a little, little connector mm. thread there. But um, it says a struggling artist is recruited by a secret agency to fight against evil forces. And so the struggling artist is actually played by Natalie Morales. And Mm. I honestly can't even remember why she's pulled in, like why the guy thinks that her as an artist is somebody maybe like she's very good at observing, you know, behavior or something like that. But yeah, Natalie Morales, people might know her from a ton of different things, including Grindr. She was a little bit on Parks and Rec towards the end of that series. And she was on um, Girls and, and she's just a really likable, great, wonderful person. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's more on the quirky, goofy side. But anyways, give it. Yeah, it's just it's funny. And it's yeah, I just found it enjoyable. And it just kind of kind of in the same sort of vein, but in a lot more of a goofy kind of way. Yeah, nice. The middleman. Nice. The middleman. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They, it's on Prime Video as well. So there we go. Sweet. Cool. cool. So yeah, those are my, my recommendations. How about you? I am going to recommend Marco Polo from Netflix. So Marco Polo is, for one, it's beautiful. It's fucking gorgeous. So the premise is about the kingdom of Kublai Khan, and Kublai is the grandson of Genghis Khan. So the uh, Mongolian warlord who kicked ass, took names, and pretty much like him and his horde populated, <laughs> went through and uh, created a, a, a nice little squatch, squatch of land for themselves in, in Asia. So A squatch of land? 
<laughs> I think it's just, I don't remember what I said, but I'm like, I like Squatch. I like Squatch of Land though. Yeah. So they, they got themselves a Squatch of Land in, in Mongolia and in China and whatnot. And uh, Marco Polo is a trader and he goes in with uh, his dad and uh, another dude, I think his uncle, and they kind of find themselves in, in the land of Kublai and they've got to leave Marco Polo behind to kind of fend for himself. And so Marco develops a, a special friendship with Kublai and uh, goes on some, some adventures and kind of ingratiates himself to the court. So it's uh it's amazing. It's, it's a really, I love, 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 love even the introduction. They do this really cool animation technique where they take like a piece of like, I believe it's like a Reeves BFK or something really heavy duty paper, like a watercolor paper. And they take water and they create the figure and then they take some ink and they touch the ink to the water. And then it spreads through the water and they get animation out of it essentially so before your eyes you see these like beautiful ink paintings you know just populate before your eyes and there's just gorgeous introduction it's just gorgeous anywho uh benedict wong plays kublai and he's like you can't imagine anyone else playing kublai and you guys will know benedict wong from uh, dr strange oh cool so uh, he plays one of the, the the guardians there and he's he's just he's fabulous in it and you just yeah he just he just owns that shit it's just wonderful the martial arts so if you love martial arts it's good if you love history i mean obviously this is like quote-unquote history light but if you dig like historical dramas if that's your jam it's good. So it's kind of a Game of Thronesy kind of thing where lots of lots of titillation, lots of sex, lots of uh, court intrigue. Uh, Joan Chen is in it. Joan Chen has obviously done a shitload of stuff in Twin Peaks, etc., etc. And she's just she's a regal fucking queen, and again owns it. And and you just they have great chemistry. Her and, and Benedict Wong have, have good chemistry. So check it out. Netflix. There's two seasons of it. <laughs> binge that shit you will not be disappointed <laughs> sounds good you sound passionate <laughs> passionate that's cool yeah it's good it's good stuff sweet i think i'm about done you want to wrap this motherfucker up <laughs> yeah yeah so happy friday everyone thank you for showing back up for episode slash minute 69 and we will see you back at the cabin <laughs> <laughs>